0: And that's time now for EN Sport news and uh, EN4 news and sport with Alistair Russell and Amber Alley. The long-awaited vaccine passports were released yesterday by the Scottish government for entry to large events. Our reporter Robbie Trainer has more.
1: In the early hours of the morning, the Scottish government launched the COVID-19 vaccination passport. This passport is proof for businesses that customers have received both doses of a Covid vaccine in order to get into nightclubs, bars and large events. Passports will be used to reduce the spread of the virus. This comes after an array of backlash from opposing sources and legal challenges. Just yesterday, a judge at the High Court refused a legal challenge from nightclub owners looking to delay the launch of the passports. Scotland is the first part of the UK to introduce these COVID-19 passports. This is what Nicola Sturgeon said yesterday during their first minister questions on the judgment of Judge Burns' decision to continue with the rollout of the vaccination passport.
2: That some venues and some circumstances are covered and not others. Again, I'm paraphrasing and summarising, uh, but the reasons uh, recognised that the, it was widely known that the combination of alcohol, dancing, late nights uh, inside created a high risk environment for the transmission of
1: COVID. Passports will be a necessity to enter late night venues after midnight with alcohol, music, and dancing. The passport will allow access to unseated live events with more than 500 people in the audience. As well as any event of any nature with more than 10,000 people attending, according to the Scottish Government's website. Local reporter Kenzie Devine took to the streets to find out who has downloaded the passport or if they have ever planned on downloading it. I haven't yet, no. no
3: not at all yet. I haven't done I it. Not to, but so I don't really I do that. I think it was the uncertainty, to be honest, because one night you're getting told it's going to be. We're going to be doing it the next minute. We've been told we're not going to, So. But then I heard it was released at the last minute, so I don't, I don't, I don't, really want to download it right away in case it just completely and that way breaks on us. Yeah.
4: To be honest. which
1: just typical. Eh, uh, not yet. I didn't realise. Was that yesterday? No, I haven't downloaded it. I haven't You're yet.
5: No, I just didn't know where to go to get the passport, yeah. but I do plan on getting it.
1: There've been reports of issues with the app already after its first launch at five this morning. Complaints have been made for people struggling to register with their NHS CHI number, as well as reports that vaccine passports are taking hours to download. I've downloaded it, but I
2: haven't successfully managed to actually register in it yet.
1: Scottish Conservative leader Douglas Ross challenged the legislation put forward by Nicola Sturgeon yesterday in the First Minister's questions. Businesses were still in court trying to halt this scheme as late as this morning. Guidance is still
4: being published. The app was to be launched today. So far, we have got the app to check vaccine passports, but we do not have the app for vaccine passports. Everything about this has been left to the last minute. This is not the way to run any scheme, let alone one that will affect people right across Scotland. The First Minister and I disagree strongly about this policy. My party
1: wants it scrapped, but surely even she must accept that the scheme is not ready and needs to be- the vaccine passport will have a grace period that will last until the 18th of October, giving time for businesses to get their systems ready. Only time will tell for the validity of vaccine passports, and the rest of the UK will be watching eagerly with close eyes on the success or downfall of this newly introduced legislation.
6: Scotland's largest techno event has been cancelled on the same day the Covid vaccine passport come into force, Raph Boyd has the details.
7: The cancellation of Terminal V has left its 40,000 ticket holders reeling. The announcement came from the company on social media following months of build up for the event, which would have seen big name DJs such as Alan Fitzpatrick, The Blessed Madonna and Nina Kravitz perform. The festival, which was due to take place at the Royal Highland Centre over the Halloween weekend, has completely sold out both of its 20,000 capacity days, but was abruptly cancelled yesterday. The cancellation was due to a worry of increasing pressure on the NHS, which follows a trend of increasing levels of young unvaccinated people being admitted to intensive care with COVID symptoms. i just say I'm extremely disappointed in the situation, mostly just because it feels like we're moving backwards, um, back towards lockdown, back towards for what coronavirus had for us. I don't agree with it, and I don't think a lot of people will agree with it. I think people are getting to the point where They're losing sort of their goodwill feelings towards the government's decisions for coronavirus. And I think a lot of people just want to get on with their lives. Personally, I think the only reason that it has been cancelled is due to the vaccine passport rollout. Um, Mostly because a lot of the people that are going to be going to Terminal V probably aren't going to be fully vaccinated yet at this point. And because of the way that it rolled out the vaccine passport uh, law, there's going to be about 50 percent of the people that can't go to it. Some however feel this is unfair with larger festivals such as Transmit which took place in Glasgow last month with a combined attendance of 150,000 over three days having already taken place without any evidence of spikes in infection rates. Others have pointed out that Transmit and other large gatherings such as sports events are open air and therefore carry a reduced risk of transmitting any virus. Attendees have the option to request a refund or keep their tickets and have them transfer automatically over to the next event, which will take place in Easter 2022. Some, however, feel this is unfair with larger festivals, such as Transmit, which took place in Glasgow last month with a combined attendance of 150,000 over three days, having already taken place without any evidence of spikes in infection rates.
8: I was supposed to be going
5: to um, Terminal v Edinburgh. I'm I'm a bit sad that it's been cancelled, but I do understand that there's a lot of pressure on the NHS and I wouldn't want to overwhelm that. It's just a bit annoying when we thought that everything
0: was going
7: back to normal. Others have pointed out that Transmit and other large gatherings such as sports events are open air and therefore carry a reduced risk of transmitting any virus.
0: I think it is down to our class issue. We look at things such as the football, rugby, operas, plays, everything seems to be going ahead. But we're getting thousands of football fans in and they seem to get priority over everything you know, we go back to go back to more or less lockdown, we had the, the Euros finals and I feel, maybe because it was England in it, but still we're getting 80,000 fans into one football stadium, and yes it is outside, but Terminal V is as good as outside so I don't think this is a, a, good, a good image for sort of freedom
7: Attendees have the option to request a refund or keep their tickets and have them transfer automatically over to the next event which will take place in Easter 2022.
0: And now, a look at some of the other stories happening this afternoon. The fourth road bridge has been closed in both directions for essential roadworks. Traffic Scotland announced the news just after six o'clock this morning. The bridge will be closed until around 6 pm tomorrow evening. Public transport has been diverted via the Queensferry crossing, although this is causing a build up of traffic in the area. A number of bus services are affected by the closure.
6: The fuel situation in Edinburgh is expected to return to normal by the weekend. Several Edinburgh petrol stations are returning to their expected fuel supply. A spokesman at BP Brunsfield petrol station has confirmed that they are experiencing no fuel shortage and have both unleaded and diesel available on pump. Drivers are advised to only get petrol if they need it.
0: A man has pled guilty to attempting to murder a soldier. 20-year-old Dylan Rigby admitted to threatening 18-year-old Coven McClelland with scissors, knives and boiling water as he held him hostage in a flat in the Gracemount area of the city in March this year. Rigby has been remanded in custody whilst background reports are prepared. He'll next appear in court on October the 28th.
6: New no rules on allergen and ingredient labelling have come into force today. The rules known as Natasha's Law have been introduced after Natasha Ednan Lapper's Died at age 16 after suffering an allergic reaction to a Pretty baguette. A coroner's report concluded that Pretty Manger's labelling was inadequate. Natasha's parents have welcomed the introduction, saying that it can be a matter of life and death.
0: A table used by J.K. Rowling in an Edinburgh cafe to write Harry Potter has been saved after it was gutted by fire. Rowling wrote at the, Edinburgh, at the Elephant House Cafe between 1996 and 1997. The cafe, which is, a which is a popular stop-off for Potter fans visiting the city, was among buildings badly damaged in the blaze on George IV Bridge last month. The table will now be repaired and restored before being returned to the cafe when it eventually reopens.
6: A campaign backed by the Dalai Lama to raise money to save a Tibetan cafe has succeeded. Rika Goa needed £45,000 to buy the building in which the Himalayan cafe on South Clerk Street is housed after the building owner decided to sell up.
0: A train-spotting spin-off about Begbie is in the works, according to actor Robert Carlyle, a TV adaptation of Irvin Welsh's follow-up novel The Blade Artist. Carlyle told NME it's still in its early moments, but it's looking pretty good that this will happen eventually.
6: Following the murder of Sabina Nessa and the sentencing of Sarah Everard's killer Wayne Cousins, the threat of violence against women feels like it's at an all-time high, Eva McKenzie reports.
9: Sarah Everard and Sabina Nessa's murders ultimately took place as they were walking home. With the stories being covered by the media in great depth, The conversation surrounding violence against women and the fear-mongering that accompanies this rhetoric has been reignited. Women across the country are feeling angry and hurt at the lack of action the government are taking against the rising statistics. With protests and vigils for the murdered women being held nationwide, many women have banded together in hope of protecting others from suffering the same fate as Everard and Nessa. StrutSafe, an Edinburgh-based organisation, is walking one woman home at a time in an effort to provide them some level of protection. The group, run by Alice Jackson and Rachel Chung, both students at the University of Edinburgh, have already amassed over 43.5 thousand followers on the organisation's Instagram page. The group comprises of a huge number of volunteers, offering different services available nationwide, offering a walk home to Edinburgh locals or a phone call ensuring their caller makes it home unscathed. Co-founder Alice Jackson had this to say.
10: After the tragic death of Sarah Everard, um, Rachel and I ended up attending a, a vigil. And something that became clear and apparent to us and that reflected our own experiences was that there is this real palpable anger and frustration that A, things like this keep happening and B, that women can't do something as simple as walk home without fear of... Being attacked or harassed, I really do sincerely hope that that women feel safer in Edinburgh now that we exist. And I think, and not just women. I, I hope that other marginalised groups, other people who feel that at risk walking home, who feel unsafe, um, feel that they can rely on us and feel that we are a resource that they can that they can come to. Um, we're not an exclusionary service. We don't just work in the community to serve women. We, we're there for anyone who needs us. You know, anyone can call us and we'll, we'll help get them home. But I think. Just knowing we're there, just knowing that something like this exists, I hope that that reassures people. And I hope that that sends out a message to those who who do believe that it's appropriate or OK or permissible, or that they'll get away with um, harassing or attacking women, that there's, there's one more, one more organisation there to, to help prevent that.
9: Impact of the group has been felt by many young women throughout Edinburgh. Mackenzie Edwards, a first-year economics student at the University of Edinburgh, described how much the group helped put her mind at ease. Um, Strutsafe is an amazing uh, organisation which helps women across Edinburgh feel really safe, Um, especially just whenever, it doesn't even need to be a night out, but I I know that for women it can be, uh, from personal experience, it can be very daunting to even just walk home during the day or during the night. But um, Strutsafe can help you feel that little bit more protected against a, what a lot of women, what a lot of the dangers women can face. Strutsafe are accessible to all via their phone number zero triple three double three five double zero two six.
0: The furlough scheme, which protected millions of people's jobs during the coronavirus pandemic, has ended, with more than a million British workers now facing an uncertain future this week. Stephen Brown has the details.
4: At its peak, the programme paid more than a third of employees to stay at home and has cost more than £68 billion. Yesterday, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, said today is an important day. It marks the end of the furlough scheme. And as I look back, I'm really proud of the furlough scheme. I'm proud of what is accomplished, which was protecting millions of people's jobs up and down the country at a really difficult time. During FMQs yesterday, leader of the Scottish Labour Party, Anna Sarwar, asked the first minister Nicola Sturgeon what the Scottish government are doing to aid people who are being affected by the furlough scheme ending alongside the cut to universal credit.
2: This government is taking action uh, to try to help uh, people on the lowest incomes with the cost of living crisis because I absolutely agree that is what uh, we are facing. Uh, so for example uh, by the end of October we will make a 130 pounds uh, support payment uh, for every household to receive council tax reduction. Um, uh, That's an investment of up to £65 million. It will benefit over 500,000 households. Of course, we have introduced the child payment, which is also intended to help those living in poverty.
4: Nicholas Sturgeon isn't the only person who is worried about the furlough scheme ending. With passenger air transport being the most furloughed category, aviation union bosses have shown their frustration over the ending of the scheme and have pleaded with Rishi Sunak to extend furlough. Diana Holland, the United Assistant General Secretary, highlighted the aviation industry as an industry in need of a furlough scheme continuing. She said, for industries which continue to be directly affected by the pandemic, the ending of a furlough scheme will result in jobs being needlessly lost. Foremost amongst these is the aviation sector, whose recovery is still delayed and unlike any other sector, is hugely reliant on the lifting of international restrictions. The aviation industry is the only sector that is worried about furlough scheme ending. Creative arts, entertainment, photography and clothing manufacturing are also predicted to be laying off staff. I caught up with Hope, who works as a barmaid on one of Edinburgh's busy pubs on the Cowgate.
8: Furlough was a really positive thing for everyone at work because it meant that if you couldn't get your hours, which was hard to do because business wasn't as good and we weren't as busy, weren't open for as long, um, it was good to still be able to get an average kind of pay every month it does worry me a lot because the restrictions and lockdowns obviously impact whether I'm able to work or not Um, especially the kind of nature of the bar I work in it's connected to a hostel so any type of restrictions or travel or just in general really affect the whole building and the whole business um then obviously if, well, as furlough not being a thing after the end of next week, there would be no guarantee that I'd get paid unless I could work, I could continue to work without the bar being open, um, which it would be hard to get anywhere near as many hours a week as I do
4: now. Overall, there has been some worry over the furlough scheme ending, with many people worried about the winter ahead.
6: And now with a roundup of all the sport, here's Jamie McIntosh.
11: Rangers' 1-0 defeat to Sparta Prague in the Europa League last night was overshadowed by racial abuse of midfielder Glenn Kamara. The incident comes after Kamara suffered the same abuse when playing Sparta's rival Slavia at Ibrox six months ago. Sparta were supposed to be under a stadium ban for a racism incident in August. However, an agreement was reached with UEFA to permit 10,000 schoolchildren to the stadium. Rangers manager Steven Gerrard has called for the authorities to hand out stronger punishments to eradicate the issue. Glenn's okay. Uh, I'm sure he's, he's disappointed just like myself. Um, and now I think it's time for, for the authorities and the club to step in and, and just take that away for us. Unfortunately the punishments are not enough. I said last night there needs to be more done. It's the only way it's going to get eradicated because the punishments are nowhere near severe enough. Celtic suffered a damaging defeat to Parkhead last night, beaten 4-0 by German side Bayer Leverkusen in their second Europa League group stage match. Both Celtic and Rangers now face uphill tasks in their quests for qualification after failing to pick up points in their opening two fixtures. Hearts manager Robbie Nielsen admits his aim is to bring European Knights back to Tynecastle. The Jambos host Motherwell tomorrow, knowing a win will see them top the Scottish Premiership table on Saturday evening.
2: I think for us it's just not getting too far ahead of ourselves. You know we're a promoted team. We've got some good players, you know, but we're still you know, taking it week by week. You know, I think we. So we had a great result last week we're now playing against a team that's, that's flying at the moment as well.
11: Across the city, Hibs travelled to Ibrox on Sunday hoping to maintain their unbeaten start in the Cinch Premiership. No away fans will be permitted to Ibrox due to Covid-19 red zones and Hibs manager Jack Ross believes a large travelling support would have added to the overall occasion. Yeah, because I, I think that it would have added to the whole occasion. Um, you know, the undoubtedly the presence of a big Hibs support within Ibrox on Sunday would have um, I think heightened the atmosphere, there's no doubt about that, because I think there's a rivalry between the clubs um, and that's intensified when, when you're both in the position we're in at the table at the moment and uh, the motivation obviously for both clubs would be to finish that weekend the fixture's top of the table. So it's unfortunate, nothing we can do about it from no a player management point of view, but certainly uh, it would have added, think, to the whole occasion as well. Andy Murray has suffered defeat to Norway's Casper Rudd in the last 16 of the San Diego Open. The Scotsman was beaten 7-5-6-4 by the world number 10. In golf, day two of Scotland's Alfred Dunhill Links Championships is underway. Belgium's Nicholas Colsarts is the current leader after posting an 8-under-par round yesterday. Finally, Scottish boxers Lee McGregor and Cash Perouk have agreed a rematch for the British bantamweight title. McGregor won the first fight by a controversial split decision verdict in 2018. Promoter Eddie Hearn has hinted the rematch could take place before the end of the year.
0: Last night finally saw the release of the latest James Bond film, No Time To Die. Our reporters Clay Goodall and Zoe Gillett discuss.
5: The new James Bond movie, No Time To Die, has finally been released after multiple Covid delays. Originally set to be released in April 2020, fans have been waiting for what some may say is the release of the year. Already grossing to £5 million in UK cinemas, the movie is the latest instalment in a franchise that has been ongoing for almost half a century and will be Daniel Craig's fifth and final appearance as 007. Following as a sequel to Spectre after six years, the film has high expectations to meet from Bond superfans and they've definitely had time to get their hopes up.
3: I saw the film on opening night because I was just—I was quite excited to see it. It's always a good buzz in an opening film, opening night of a film, especially after the pandemic and stuff. It was just good to kind of be back in a full crowd. Um, it, was, it was just exciting to be able to see it on the night, and also you know to avoid spoilers, just to see it before stuff gets out. Really,
5: the movie has already garnered five star reviews from the likes of The Guardian, the BBC, and the Telegraph. But the true test is how it holds up against the real critics, the fans. We spoke to local cinema goers on their thoughts on the much-awaited picture.
3: Hello, I'm Ben Thompson. I am the film technician at Edinburgh Napier University. Did you see
10: the new James Bond movie yesterday?
3: I saw the new James Bond film last night. Yes. What did you think of the
10: movie? I thought
3: the film was good but not great. I found it a little over long. It could have done with uh, being half an hour shorter. Um, I found that it was a bit, co- the plot was a bit convoluted and at uh, times silly. But you know that's to be expected from a Bond film.
5: Yeah. So did you find that it was worth the wait?
3: I found it was worth the wait because it did deliver a fairly satisfying conclusion to Daniel Craig's uh, re- run as James Bond. I'd recommend definitely seeing it because it's got all your James Bond staples, you know, your your action scenes and stuff. and A really good introduction scene. Um, so I'd recommend it. It's, it's maybe about, you know, halfway down in the rankings of all Daniel Craig's films. It's not, not, not his best, not his worst. I mean, it was definitely good, don't get me wrong, it was just maybe not as good as I'd hoped.
5: While on Twitter people are already raving over the so-called fitting farewell to Craig's James Bond, we're left wondering if you, our listeners, are dying to see Daniel Craig's last swari.
0: And finally, with the weekend's weather, here's Kenzie Devine.
5: It will be a slightly brighter evening for Edinburgh as the showers subside, with some light rain, wind and minimum temperatures of 5 degrees. Some clouds will come through later on tonight and into the early hours of tomorrow, with highs of 10 degrees Celsius. Moving further south to Dumfries and Galloway, there will be highs of 12 degrees early this evening, with warmer clouds across the area. Meanwhile, over the central belt to Glasgow, there will be sunshine and 40% rainfall across the city, with highs of 11 degrees Celsius and lows of 9 degrees. Back in the capital, tomorrow morning we'll see outbreaks of heavy rain, brightening up in the afternoon for a slightly drier day, with highs of 14 degrees Celsius.
0: And that's all from Amber and myself this afternoon. Please do have a very good rest of your day.